0: We're going to be in Psalm chapter 129, Psalm 129, and the Psalms of Ascent are the songs that the children of Israel would sing as they made their journey to Jerusalem, and three times a year they would make this journey for different feasts and different festivals, and they would be singing these songs as they went. And so Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 is this section known as the Psalms of Ascent. And this is kind of base camp for us as we're studying how to uh, have a health on the inside uh, in our souls. And so today we're going to be in Psalm 129. If you're ready to dive into God's Word, would you say amen? Amen. Most of the verses should be on the screen today, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you, and if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you, and uh, we're looking forward to studying this morning together. The Bible says this in Psalm 129, verse number one. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turn back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withers afore it grows up, wherewith the mower filth not his hand, nor he that binds sheaves his bosom. Neither do they which go by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of Lord. For a few minutes today, I want to speak to this subject, down but not out. Down but not out. Are you ready today? Let's have a word of prayer together. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for this time we can come together and to study your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. God, I pray that you would give me the words to say that would be helpful and beneficial for us today. And Lord, I pray that we would recognize that we might be knocked down. Uh, But we are not out, and Lord, I pray that we would understand that there ought to be longevity when it comes to our faith. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in a powerful way through this psalm, and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. A few years ago, somebody gifted to my son some soccer boppers. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Soccer boppers? I think we have a picture on the screen. Uh, Some soccer boppers. And my son, Luke, loved these soccer boppers. I'll tell you who did not love these soccer boppers his sisters (laughs) because he was constantly using these soccer boppers against his sisters. And so we ended up having to invest in a punching bag just like this one. It wasn't this one, but it was one just like this one. And I'm going to ask my beautiful daughter, Blakely, to come help me this morning. Blakely, would you come up here for a second? There you go. Climb on up here. Let's give it up for Blakely one more time this morning. And Blakely is going to help demonstrate this punching bag. Blakely, can you give a very strong punch to this punching back. Can you demonstrate for us? Wow, that was very good. Now Blakely, that was very hard. Do you think you could do it a little bit harder? Okay, let's see it, a little bit harder. Wow. All right Blakely, one more, the hardest you've ever done. Okay, here we go, let's see it, last one. Wow, good job, let's give it up for Blakely. Thank you, Blakely, you can go sit down with mom. And so we got this punching bag. And what's cool about this punching bag is no matter how many times you hit it and no matter how hard you hit it, it's always going to come right back up. And uh, there's weights at the bottom. Anytime you hit it, no matter how hard you hit it, it's going to come back up. And we come to Psalm 129 in this section of the Psalms of Ascent. And this is the picture that we see speaking of the nation of Israel, that they were attacked over and over and over again, that they were hit, that they were beaten, that they were attacked time and time again. But the Bible says in verse number 2, that they were not prevailed against that they were knocked down but they were able by the grace of God to get back up and I want you to know today that in life failure is inevitable that in life that failure is something that we're all going to experience that no matter how smart you are no matter how many friends you have no matter uh, what great surroundings you have uh, you will fall It might be a moral failure. It might be a health struggle. It might be a battle with depression and anxiety. But the reality is all of us will fall. The question is not if we will fall. The question is, are we resourced and equipped to get back up? How do we get back on track? How do we get back up? How many of you remember those old uh, Life Alert commercials? Anybody remember those commercials, right? And uh, there'd be someone, they fell down and they couldn't get back up. And so they had, that, they had that little button and they would push the button and the police would come, right? And uh, they wanted to make sure that you were ready and equipped for help if you uh, fell down. Well, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. For a just man falls seven times, but he rises up again but the wicked shall fall into mischief. The number seven illustrates completeness or fullness. The idea is it doesn't matter how many times you fall, uh, that failure is not final. I just wanna encourage somebody today that you might get knocked down in life and you will get knocked down in life, but by the grace of God, you can get back up again. That discouragement does not have to destroy you. That anxiety does not have to defeat you. And by the way, this is not just the power of positive thinking. This is the power of biblical thinking because the Bible says, that in Christ we are more than conquerors we're just not barely getting by this is not a one-point victory in overtime no bring in the subs this is a blowout victory we are more than conquerors anybody thankful today that the victory is ours in Christ Jesus not because of how great we are but because of how great he is The song that we sang this morning, Great Are You, Lord. And so we will fall in life. We will make mistakes. We will fall into sin. But by the grace of God, we can get back up. And today, I want you to know that because so many people are wallowing, and they are suffering in their, in their sin, and they believe this lie that they, they are never going to be able to get back on track, and I'll never be able to get victory, and I'll never uh, be able to uh, get back on track in the way that God uh, has for me. But I want you to know today that the just man falls seven times, but he rises up again. Psalm 34, verse number 19 says this, many, everybody say many, many, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so this is what Psalm 129 is all about. Uh, Psalm 129 is all about affliction. It's all about uh, suffering. It's about someone mistreating you, someone misaligning you, someone that has uh, treated you poorly. And the psalmist is talking about how we can respond when we are attacked, how we can respond when we uh, fall down, how we can get back up again. Now, I think it's interesting that this Psalm 129 is all about suffering. And remember that it's also a song. Remember the Psalms of Ascent were songs that they would sing on their way to Jerusalem. And so I find it fascinating that they were singing about their suffering. How can you sing about suffering? How can you uh, celebrate when you are hurting? How can you praise when you're walking through pain? And yet this is exactly what they're doing. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said it this way regarding this psalm. He says, these repetitions are after the manner of poetry. Thus, she makes a sonnet out of her sorrows, music out of her miseries. And I believe this is a picture of the Christian life. This is a picture of following Jesus, that yes, we struggle, but we also sing. Yes, we hurt, but we also have Hope. And there's never a way that we can live our lives where we avoid suffering or where we avoid hurting, but we can sing and we can have hope because the victory is ours. And so today, as we look to Psalm 129, I want to give us four ways that we can respond when we are attacked or when we are mistreated. Uh, Four ways that we can respond and get back up again. Are you ready today? Number one is this. We have to determine to be resilient determined to be resilient. Now, let's pick up the text in verse number one. It says this, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. I was reading several years ago about uh, the retired Navy SEAL David Uh, Goggins and he is considered by many to be the toughest man in the world. Retired Navy SEAL has run uh, uh, Olympic marathons and and, uh, he is famously known for running a hundred mile marathon with two broken feet. Now, to do that, you have to have some great resilience. Are you tracking with me this morning? And and so uh, very, very tough, very resilient. You know, the reality is the people of God, as you study redemptive history, the people of God have always been a resilient people. Uh, The people of God have always been uh, resilient people, the ability to get back up again. Now, I want you to see the conflict in verse number one. He describes it in verse one by saying many a time. So how many times have you experienced struggle? Many times. Uh, How many times have you hurt? Many a time, too many to count. I can't even keep track of how many times that I've hurt in life and how many times that I've been broken in life and how many times I've been discouraged. Uh, Many times, in fact, from my youth, as long as I can remember, I've been struggling. As long as I can remember and think back that there's been pain, there's been affliction, uh, there's been hurt. uh, From my youth, many times. When you think about the story of Israel, think about how much conflict they endured. Uh, whether it's the exodus out of Egypt and the wanderings in the wilderness and the battles against Canaan, uh, the battles against the Philistines, the exile in Babylon, uh, time and time again, the Israelites endured conflict over and over again. He says, many a time from my youth, our history is just described by this conflict. James Montgomery Boyce, he's a commentator that said this, the Jews are the longest enduring distinct ethnic people on the planet. They've been slandered, hated, persecuted, expelled, pursued, and murdered throughout their long existence, but they have survived intact. And so we see the psalmist is saying, many a time from my youth have I been hurting. By the way, if you are looking for a life of convenience and comfort following Jesus, you're gonna be severely disappointed. Because the reality of following Jesus is not just to have all of our burdens taken away. The reality of following Jesus is that we have the presence of God and the Holy Spirit indwelling us to help us survive and thrive when those conflicts come in life. And so uh, it is the best life possible following Jesus. It's a life of risk and adventure, but it's not a life of comfort and convenience. In fact, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 24. He says, of the Jews five times, received I 40 stripes, save one. Paul said, thrice three times was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice was I shipwrecked, and night and day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils by the city, in perils by the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Uh, how many of you get the idea that Paul didn't have it easy? Are you tracking so far? Uh, Paul was just kind of rattling off all of these lists. But then notice how he closes this list of afflictions. Notice it. He says, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He says, I've been beaten. I've gone through battles. I've been shipwrecked. I've endured great conflict in my life. But what weighs on me the most is the people of God and the churches that I've planted. He says, that weighs, that, that's what I'm burdened about. That's who I pray for. That's what weighs heavy on my shoulders when I lay my head on my pillow at night. Uh, that's what I'm thinking about. And so Paul was no stranger to conflict. He was no stranger to uh, this struggle, and yet he was resilient uh, throughout the way. So we see the conflict, but I want you to see the continuation now in verse number two. It says this, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet, everybody say yet. Yes. He says, yet they have not prevailed against me. Aren't you thankful for that? He says, yet they have not prevailed against me. We were able to continue on. They got back up. Every time the nation of Israel was knocked down, every time the people of God were attacked by the grace of God, they were able to get back up again. Can I tell you today that our faith is not a fad? Our faith is not a fad. Our faith is not just a style. Our faith is not a short-term experiment. Following Jesus is not an experiment that we're going to try for a little while. Following Jesus, our faith is not a fad. Uh, Our faith is something that we commit to for a lifetime. It's a radical call to abandonment. And so if we are following Jesus, we have to recognize that we follow him with resilience because fads change, styles change, methods change, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we follow Jesus, we follow him with resilience. Because our faith is not a fad. And so they said, yet they have not prevailed against me. We were able to get back up again. Uh, Paul talked about this also. He talked about his struggles, but he talked about the ability to get back up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8 through 10, I would encourage you to jot these verses down. They're very encouraging. Could anybody use some encouraging verses this morning? Uh, I would encourage You can memorize these verses this week and use them as an attack when uh, Satan wants to tempt you and discourage you and say that you're not good enough and you're going to stay down forever. How about you quote him the word of God and, and tell him... Uh, to get behind you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8 says this, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. In other words, you can suffer pain without suffering defeat. You can suffer lost without losing the fight. He says, man, I was, I was uh, cast down but not destroyed. Paul just had this mindset as a follower of Jesus, this kind of this, this spiritual juggernaut mindset. Like, I'm just going to walk through the battlefield of this life, and nothing is going to shake me. Nothing is going to move me. I'm going to keep on moving forward in the calling that God has for me. We live in a generation of Christianity where our faith is so fragile. And we require often the conditions to be just right in order to thrive. If the sun is shining and everything and all my conditions are just right, then yeah, I'm going to thrive. But as soon as one thing goes wrong, then all of a sudden, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do next, and I I think I'll just give up. If you follow Jesus long enough, there will be people in the church that offend you. Did you know that? (laughs) If you follow Jesus long enough in the church, you will have some expectations that go unmet you will have some disappointments along the way. And when those disappointments come, when those offenses come, that is when you ought to say, you know what, I'm gonna move forward with resilience. I can be attacked, I I can be knocked down, but by the grace of God, I'm gonna get back up again and I'm gonna keep on moving forward. And so this was the mindset that Paul had, this was the mindset that the psalmist had, yes, we've been attacked, but we're gonna keep on moving forward. They have not prevailed against me. There's a conversation recorded between a French reformer in the 16th century, his name is Theodore Beza, and he was having this conversation with the, with the king of France. And uh, he said this, Sire, it is the lot of the church of God to endure blows and not to inflict them. But may it please you to remember that the church is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. Or in the words of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I'm thankful today that we can have this kind of confidence to move forward knowing that the victory is ours. And so I want to encourage you today. Number one, determined to be resilient. The people of God have always been a resilient people. uh, Determined to be resilient. Number two is this. Trust God to cut the ropes. Trust God to cut the ropes. Now, as we continue reading, uh, the psalmist is going to talk about uh, the sovereignty of God, and he's going to point our minds uh, to the sovereignty, to the power of God. I think it's so important when we're hurting uh, to remember that God is in control. You know, often when we're hurting, often when we're going through a difficult season, we are tempted uh, to think unclearly, and our thinking gets clouded. And uh, it's really during those dark days and our darkest days that we need our brightest theology. It's when we're hurting that we need to remember the scriptures, that we need to look to the sovereignty of God. And this is what the psalmist is going to do. Notice the pain that he describes in verse number three. He's going to describe excruciating pain. Everybody still with me today? He's going to describe excruciating pain. Verse number three, he says, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. You know, pain can be relative. Everybody has a different, you know, pain tolerance level, right? And uh, some people think they have a very high tolerance of pain. Other people, you know, they don't have a very high tolerance of pain. This past week, my daughter Blakely, who was in here today, uh, she got her ears pierced. And, uh, and uh, we took her to get her ears pierced, and she was a little nervous about that. And uh, we brought her in there, and uh, she was excited, but then she got nervous, and they took those little things, and they Poked her ears and put her put the earrings in, and uh, she started crying, and and uh, she started to cry, and you could have you you thought it was the end of the world for about three minutes, but uh, about five minutes later, she was running all around Claire's, picking out what earrings she wanted. She was totally fine uh, right after that, right, and she was excited to be in there. And uh, sometimes pain can be relative, and sometimes we talk about pain, and we're talking about different things in life. Well, the psalmist wants to make it very clear the kind of pain that he's going to describe, is excruciating pain. Let's look at it again in verse number three. He says this, The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Now, he's speaking figuratively. He's using this analogy of a farmer that is plowing, and he says, I want you to imagine that I was lying face down, my back exposed, and the plower was using those farming tools to cut, dig uh, deep into my back to cut and and to plow into my back. It's a grotesque image if you think about it. It's a a vivid and even gory image. And he's saying this is the kind of excruciating pain that we've gone through. This was an image that in the Old Testament some of the prophets would use. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 18, Michael the Moreshite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion, Jerusalem, shall be plowed like a field. And Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain uh, of the house as the high places of a forest. And so uh, they are describing this kind of pain, this kind of infliction uh, of being plowed uh, in the back. This, this is supposed to evoke an emotion. Okay, It's supposed to make us squirm a little bit. It's supposed to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable uh, because that's the emotion that he wants us to remember. Notice it in verse 3. He says at the end of verse number 3, they made long their furrows. That speaks to the fact that the enemy had no mercy. They went up all the way down, up and down the back. They made long their furrows. They didn't just do a little bit. They kept on cutting. They kept on hurting. This was excruciating pain. And I believe that this psalm and this verse is meant to evoke an emotion, and it's meant to cause us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, to think about his back. To think about as Jesus carried the cross uh, uh, to the place of the skull called Golgotha. To think about uh, the, the stripes that were placed on his back. How his back was, was cut for you and for me. The Bible talks about it in Isaiah chapter 53 verse number 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And as we hid, it, as, we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus endured that kind of pain, that kind of excruciating pain for you and for me. And today, you might be discouraged. You might be lonely. uh, You might be filled with anxiety. You might be down. But I want you to know that you are not unloved. That that's the kind of love that he has for you that he endured that kind of pain, by his stripes, we are healed. And so the psalmist is describing this excruciating pain, but then he gives an encouraging promise. Are you ready for it? Uh, This encouraging promise. I want you to see it in verse number four. It says this. He says this, the Lord is righteous. (laughs) Can I tell you God is good? God is good all the time. Uh, no matter what season we're going through, no matter what difficulty we might be facing, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the politics are, no matter what the personnel is, that God is good. The Lord is righteous. But then he says this He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. He has, he has cut asunder the cords of the wicked. I have some guys that are going to help me this morning illustrate this. The cords here are the ropes. And this was a figure. He's he's continuing on in the analogy of talking about uh, the, the plowers and plowing into the back, and the cords, the ropes would represent how the oxen were tied to the plow. Okay, everybody tracking with me so far? So so the ropes would be used to uh, to be used to attach to that to that plow. And so we're gonna have uh, Seth uh, represent uh, someone that's tried to move forward in life, and I'm gonna have you guys, uh, Ray and Afat and Nestor. I want you guys to to go over this way. Uh, stand over this way. There we go. We're going to figure this out. Okay. And then, Seth, you're going to hold on to this. And uh, these ropes, you know, uh, these ropes are holding Seth back, right? There you go. You have one more rope. Okay. Well, let's give it up for our volunteers this morning. They're doing a good job. Getting ready. Okay. So, so often as we go through life, we are enduring affliction, we're enduring pain, we are enduring struggle, and Seth is just trying to move forward. Seth is just trying to pay his bills, he's trying to love his wife, he's trying to lead us in worship, he's trying to move forward in life. But so often there are things that are holding us back. Easy, easy on the holding back, guys. Okay, thank you. And, uh, and uh, the devil's not attacking that hard, not today. Okay, and so Seth is trying to, he's trying to move forward in life, but so often we have some things that are holding us back. And here is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying uh, the, the, those plowers that are plowing into our back that are hurting us, he's saying that our God can cut the cords, he can cut the ropes. Uh, that, that in other words, God can bring our suffering to an end. That he can bring our pain to an end. That you might be walking through a trial, that you might be walking through an affliction, but by the grace of God, he can cut the cords, he can bring it to an end. And so today, uh, maybe uh, the cord that is holding you back, the rope that is holding you back, uh, is some sort of addiction. Thank you've been trying to break free from that addiction and you've been trying to move forward and you've been trying to put the pills away you've been trying to put the bottle down and you've been trying to move forward but it just seems like I'm never gonna get victory in this I'm trying to move forward but I'm being held back by that rope of affliction And by the grace of God he can cut the cord of that affliction he can cut the cord of that addiction maybe what's holding you back today is some sort of oppression someone is hurting you someone is hurting you over and over and over again there's a a relationship that is just not healthy It's toxic, and there's no end in sight, and you're trying to move forward, but that oppression is holding you back. Can I tell you today, by the grace of God and the power of God, he can cut that cord of oppression today. Uh, Maybe what's holding you back is some sort of affliction, uh, some sort of health trial that you've been battling for years and years, and you're just waiting for a good test result, but it just seems like none is ever coming. Can I tell you today that God can cut the cords of even that affliction, because that's how powerful our God is. And this is the illustration, thank you guys, that the psalmist is saying, he's saying that God can cut the ropes. Can I just remind you today, there is nothing too hard for our God. You might think, man, I can't get back up again. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what kind of difficulty I've endured. I want you to know today that God can cut the ropes and we can get back up again. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, uh, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Trust God to cut the ropes. How can we be confident? How can we know that God is going to cut the ropes? How can we be confident in his power? Because 2,000 years ago, when Jesus stepped out of Joseph's tomb... He cut the ropes of sin, he cut the ropes of death, he cut the ropes of the grave so that you and I could walk in victory forever, that we can live in relationship with him and harmony with him. He's already cut the ropes. And so trust him to do it again in your life. So number one, determined to be resilient. Number two, trust God to cut the ropes. Here's the third one, are you ready? You have to focus beyond the now. Focus beyond the now. Uh, the other day, we were, I think just yesterday, we were in our car. And uh, Blakely and Luke were in the back seat. And uh, uh, we were playing a game. And I said, uh, would, you have, would you rather have $100 today, Blakely and Luke, would you rather have $100 right now or wait a year, but I'll give you $1,000? And this is hypothetical. I'm not going to do either one. Uh, but I said, would you rather have $100 right now or $1,000 in a year? And I thought I was going to trip them up. I thought they were going to say, well, first, likely said, which one's more? <laughs> and he said, $1,000 is more. And, uh, and I thought I was going to get them to say, we want $100 right now. But both of them were, were ready. And they said, we want $1,000 in a year. They were willing to wait. You know, if you're serious about following Jesus, you have to have a long-term mindset. You have to have the ability to think beyond the now, not just instant gratification, but what is going to be... A- eternally significant in my life. Notice how the psalmist uh, says it in verse number five. Are you still with me today? He says, let them all be confounded and turn turn back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withers afore it grows up. And so the psalmist here is describing the enemy and he's saying they're like grass on a housetop. Now to understand this illustration that he gives, you have to kind of picture a home in first century Israel. It would be a small structure, a small house that would have a flat roof. And sometimes when the wind would blow, it would blow up some grass seeds, and they would settle on top of the roof, and, and uh, even a little bit of grass would start to sprout up there on the roof. But, of course, it wouldn't last because there was no soil. There was nothing that it could dig deep into. And so the psalmist is saying the enemy is like that. Often it looks like they are successful. It looks like they are producing some green grass, and it looks like they have it figured out. But it's not going to last. It's temporary. Uh, It's it's shallow. It's superficial. He's saying they're like grass on the housetops. It's just going to come up for a little bit and then it's going to go away. And this is encouraging today because sometimes we can look out at the world and we can see what's taking place in our culture and we can think, man, we're losing the fight. Man, it just seems like the enemy is gaining ground. Has anyone thought that, or is it just me? Uh, sometimes it feels like, man, the enemy is gaining ground, and are we losing the fight? And man, uh, it just seems like the enemy is successful. And what the psalmist is saying is that's just grass on a, on a housetop. It's temporary. It's not going to last. This is encouraging when it comes to our pain, when it comes to our affliction in life. The Bible says this uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Can I tell you some of the most encouraging words in the Bible? And it came to pass. And it came to pass. So often we can be focused on what is right in front of us and we can be discouraged and we can be tempted to make wrong decisions. But if we focus beyond the now and remember that the enemy's success is just temporary and that in the end, Jesus wins, in the end, Jesus gets the last word, then we can move forward with confidence uh, that God has for us. And this leads us to our last thought today. One more point today is this. Number four, we have to pray through the pain. When we're hurting, we have to pray through the pain. Now, the psalm begins with persevering through pain. We have to be resilient. He says, many times from my youth was I afflicted, yet they have not prevailed against me. Perseverance. We have to persevere through the pain. But now, as the psalm closes, we learn that we have to pray through the pain. If you want a soul that is able to persevere, you have to have a soul that is willing to pray. Uh, You have to have a life that is uh, bathed in prayer. And, And so this is what the psalmist is going to say. Now, the prayer that we see in these concluding verses is maybe not what you would expect, It's not the kind of prayer that you would expect us to be instructed to pray. In fact, this is a prayer that goes against the enemies of God. I want you to see it in verse number 8. Everybody with me? It says this. In verse 8, Neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, this was a customary greeting in ancient Israel during harvest season. In fact, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we were in a study in the book of Ruth, and we saw this greeting take place. In Ruth chapter 2, verse number 4, it says this, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. And so this was a customary greeting to bless one another, to greet one another with a blessing. But here, in Psalm 129, verse number 8, we are actually commanded to not give that blessing. That seems odd. Now, now, this is what's called an imprecatory prayer. Uh, an imprecatory prayer, you will see throughout the Psalms, it's where uh, the psalmist will actually uh, invoke a curse on his enemy rather than a blessing. And it seems antithetical to the Christian life to not pray for our enemies. We are very familiar with verses in the New Testament, such as Matthew chapter 5, verse number 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is what Jesus commanded us to do, to bless our enemies. Romans chapter 12, verse number 14, bless them. Everybody say, bless them. bless them. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. And so in the New Testament, we see this command to bless our enemies. In the book of Psalms, we see this command to not bless our enemies. So which is it? Did, did you see in verse number eight? He says, he says in verse number eight, neither do they which go by the blessing of the Lord. So we're not going to give that blessing. So which is it? What do we do? Well, the answer is both. In the New Testament, we are instructed to pray for our enemies. We are to pray for their salvation, but we are not to pray for their success. In other words, when there is an enemy when there is someone that hates God or hates Zion, as the chapter says, they 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 hate God, they despise the things of God, they hate the church, they hate uh, that which is good and right. Uh, we do not want to uh, uh, wish them a blessing on that endeavor. We don't want the, If there is someone that is going to be in the prostitution business, we don't want to say, "Hey, I'm just blessing, uh, praying that God blesses your business." No, we don't want to pray a blessing upon their endeavor. And so the distinction is we can pray for their salvation. That is the greatest blessing of all. And so when we are commanded to pray a blessing upon them, we pray that God would change their heart. We can pray that they would be saved. Uh, We can pray uh, that they would experience salvation. But we do not pray for their success. In fact, we pray that that God's will would be done and that God's plan would stand uh, even as our enemies move forward. Uh, Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, a proper wish and contains within it no trace of personal ill will. We desire that their welfare as men, their downfall as traitors, let their conspiracies be confounded and their policies be turned back. How can we wish prosperity to those who would destroy that which is dearest to our hearts? And so we can pray for their soul without praying for their success. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me today? And so when we are hurting, when we are going through a season of brokenness or a season of hurt, we can pray in two ways. There's two ways that we can pray. One, we pray that God's will will be done. If someone is mistreating you, if someone is attacking you today, if you're going through pain, pray first of all that God's will be done, uh, that that his plan would stand, that you can pray uh, for their salvation. You can pray uh, for the blessing in that sense. But then we can pray that God would change their heart, uh, that God would do a work in their lives. And so these are the ways in which we pray when we are being mistreated. 1 Timothy chapter 2 puts it this way. In verse number one, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Everybody say all men. men. So who are we to pray for? All men. For kings and for all that are in authority, politicians, presidents, governors. We're to pray for all men kings and for all them that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who will have all men to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Can I just encourage you today to identify some people in your life that you're going to pray that God would get a hold of their heart and change them. That you're going to pray that God would get a hold of their heart and bless them in the greatest way possible to be saved. Whether it's a politician, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, who is it in your life that God wants you to pray for their salvation? Who can you bring with you to church and you're just praying that they would be saved and that you're just praying that God would do a work in their life. And so we're to be praying for those people. Now, as we close today, in every way... In every verse in Psalm 129, these verses point us ahead to Jesus. Just as Israel suffered from its youth, Jesus experienced suffering from his youth. Uh, Just as uh, Israel experienced the pain uh, of their back being ripped open, Jesus experienced the pain of his back being ripped open. Just as Israel prevailed, Jesus Christ prevailed over the tomb today. And so we see that these verses point us ahead to Jesus. And I want you to know, if you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can get back up. I don't know if I can get back to the place where I once was. I- I've made a mistake. I've failed. I've dropped the ball. I, I just don't know how I'm going to get back on track. I want to read one final verse to you today in Philippians. And as I do, would you join me in standing this morning? Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12 says this. I know, this is Paul speaking. He says, I know both how to be abased And how to abound? Paul said, hey, if you're abounding today, I've been there. If you're abased, if you're brought low today, if you feel low, if you feel broken today, Paul says, I've been there, I know how to do both. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says this, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can I tell you today, the power is not uh, within your own strength, your own flesh. The power is in Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, you can get back up again. Through Jesus Christ, you can overcome. Through Jesus Christ, you can get the victory today. And so today I want to close by singing the words of these songs about how great God is. If you believe it, sing it with all your heart today. Great are you, Lord.